This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is off the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to Two's Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sports, host of the Rockets broadcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, making the most of this uh, strange and odd situation, uh, but doing well. Thanks for asking. Hope the, the same for you and your family. Yeah, things are doing well. Thanks for asking. I, I, I don't like reading anything. Like, that's my biggest thing. I, I, I think I'm done with reading news for a little bit. Like, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. But I'm still trying to be cautious, still wearing my mask, still trying to pro- avoid public situations, all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I try not to pay too much attention um, to the news. I think it's important to stay informed, but I think at the same time, it can be a little bit uh, much. Uh, the same, you know. Um, frankly, we as a family, I mean, all the individuals in my household, we haven't done a ton of, you know, crazy stuff outside of. Stick around at the house. Um, yes, when I go out in public, I, I, I do wear a mask. Um, and uh, again, um, I, I, I tend to think that that the situation uh, is improve improving. Um, I tend to uh, lean on uh, the positivity uh, that's out there as opposed to the overwhelming uh, negativity. And so, um, so yeah, I, I'm hoping that uh, as we inch forward, that uh, we can return to whatever normal that is. And if that includes hopefully the NBA uh, returning sooner rather than later, I'm all for it. And I've remained uh, captain positive from the get go on, from the onset since the, the league was shut down in March that the season will resume. And I'm sticking by that story. I think the season will resume when and how I don't know, but uh, I'm very confident that uh, the Rockets and the rest of the NBA will be back playing at some point. Yeah. Speaking of the NBA returning, it seems like, so I did a poll a couple weeks back. I even you, I even asked you uh, about your level of optimism in the league returning, and it high. Yeah, it was, and it it seemed like a lot of people felt that way. It was like sixty to forty, you know, maybe seventy thirty felt like the NBA would return this season. And last week, it started to feel like almost a, a question of when, not if. And now it seems like a decision is going to be reached pretty soon within the next two or three weeks. According to Adrian Wojnarowski's reporting on this call with Adam Silver, 
where NBA owners, executives took place, and they talked about possibly returning to the NBA season. The The circumstances in, in, in which they return are still a little bit muddy. Uh, my, get, my best guess is that it's going to be some sort of bubble situation in where the NBA plays in a confined environment like Las Vegas, Orlando, something like that. The logistics are really tough, even if you can find that confined environment. Obviously, you have to keep everybody, you have to keep everybody confined. You have to keep a limited amount of people in these gyms, in these hotels, all these areas where all the players are staying. You have to have a lot of testing available. All that's still kind of up in the air. My best guess is that we get back by June or July, probably more July. And I think training camp starts late June. Where's your feel on that? Um, uh, two months ago, my first gut told me that training camps I thought would be starting around now. Uh, as time has gone on, um, my, I felt that training camps would be getting underway by the end of May. And since we haven't really heard any information about any plans, then I will slide that prediction, uh, back even a little bit further. Um, in I'll say training camps, just my guess. Uh, now, at some point um, by the middle of June, with the season starting around the you know the end of the month, maybe the, you know the second or third week in June for the start of training camp, and um, and then uh, games beginning at the either at the end of June or the beginning of of July is kind of where I I sit. But again, I I remain incredibly optimistic. I do think that um, even though there hasn't been any information out there, um, I, I do think that the league has been working diligently on coming up with a plan. Uh, and I do believe that, um, when, and if, um, they do make an announcement that the, you know, this, these are our thoughts, this, this is our plan. I do think that's something that the league will be able to implement and ramp up, uh, rather quickly. Uh, and so again, um, I stay, I remain optimistic that, um, I think, I think games and so forth will be, will happen before the middle of July, more like the beginning or the end of June. So that's kind of where I currently sit under the the situation. Yeah, there's nobody I trust more in this situation than Adam Silver. Like the NBA has been talking about coronavirus and possibly banning fans from games for like three months, like before all of this started. And, you know, that, that, that was before the public even took it seriously. And... I think they're going to take this reopening with the utmost care as well. Uh, I think they do care about player safety. I think they do care about uh, returning in the most efficient way possible. And I, I ultimately think, uh, I agree with your, your sort of timeline. I think I think middle of June sounds about right for training camp. And I, I ultimately do think that they will finish the season. Like I, I, I think before, I was not optimistic that there would be a finish to the regular season. Now I'm kind of at the point where like, I don't see a situation where there isn't like five games played before the run up to the playoffs. Oh, well, I don't know how many games. I mean, I think there are going to be regular season games. I don't, I don't know how many uh, there will be, but I do believe that there will be regular season games. I mean, simply put, and, and there are a lot more nuances to this, but simply put the NBA is a heck of a lot and, and professional sports in general have a heck of a lot more to lose by, by, by not playing than playing. And so to me, that's always been, um, the, the overriding theme, um, and, 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 you know, leagues have been starting up worldwide baseball in Korea, I think basketball in Taiwan, the Bundesliga just got underway, um, today in, in Germany. I, I watched, um, so I, and, and I think that, 
in terms of the collective morale and psyche of the country, uh, I think sports plays an, an important role. And again, for all these reasons, I've always felt that um, it was going to be back. Obviously, finances uh, are a huge concern, but finances are a huge concern to every person and every business, um, not only in the United States, but around the world uh, at this time. I mean, uh, the economy is not well. It's not healthy. Um, and, you know, you, you, you need some sort of a return to normalcy for businesses to operate and for people to work and for people to, to make income, to pay their bills and survive and put food on the table. And so, um, you know, and, and, and the NBA is, is no different, um, you know, in addition to all the players uh, that most people think about when they think about professional sports, um, it employs an entire ecosystem of people like myself uh, that depend upon the league functioning uh, to make a living and to pay our bills. And, and I think that the, the sports leagues, uh, have, uh, you know, have taken that into great consideration. Um, you know, um, you know, from from the rocket standpoint, the organization has been amazing uh, in terms of the way it's treated uh, its employees during this. Uh, I hope that remains the case. But the, the, the farther that this goes along, uh, the more likelihood is more jobs are lost. And I think that's the last thing. Uh, that people want um, and people need at this juncture. And so um, as we've seen all these other leagues, as I mentioned, start to come to life and spring to life again, um, I think that they will be able to pull this off uh, safely and securely. And uh, how many games that is, what format that takes, I don't know. But I am encouraged by the fact that the NBA seems to have a pretty long leash in terms of where they feel comfortable ending this current season and the big, and then beginning the next one. So I, I think all signs point towards uh, the the season resuming. And again, how many games that is the Rockets at what were at 60, 64 games uh, played um, when everything had ended. And most teams were right around that area. Give or take a couple of games. Um, if they can get to 72 or maybe 75 games uh, league wide, I, I think that'd be a pretty, pretty darn good uh, scenario under the under the current circumstances yeah and the financials are big here as you mentioned for but, everybody right 100 percent. and e- even if we do come back and it's a bubble sort of environment a lot of people won't be going back to work because some of these in arena workers won't be able to go true to, very much yep yeah won't be able to go to these games and i i hope i do hope some of these organizations do take it upon themselves to take care of those workers as they have been doing to, uh with the pandemic um yeah, but it, it it is a sad situation. But I, I I do believe in sports bringing something to the climate of the world that it's hard to it's hard to really describe and put your finger on it. But it does bring a boost to everyone's kind of mojo. There is there is that power in sports that I I have be, I have believed in ever since I was a kid. Yeah, and you know the irony of that is that you know and it, it, it okay, it's still true. There are far more important things in the world than sports. But I think because of this, we've all, especially people who are sports lovers, which is a significant portion of the population. You know, maybe you're not an NBA fan, but you love the NFL, you love college football, you love Major League Baseball, or whatever, or whatever floats your boat. You like hockey, whatever, whatever floats your boat. There, it serves a purpose um, in uh, in society, Uh, and I think that since we've all had that ripped away from us, I think. Collectively, I think we do understand um, the the importance that that sport plays um, in our culture and our lives. 
And uh, when it's lost, um, you know, people miss it. And when it, I think when it does come back, it will it will give that uh, a shot in the arm uh, to the culture and society. And uh, and hopefully, again, just another step towards returning um, to what we were accustomed to just a couple of short months ago. One hundred percent. And it, it, it's one of those things where, like, as soon as we get back, like the these TV ratings are going to be nuts. Like, I fully expect there to be records broken when once once the NBA does return just because there's there's no live sports whatsoever I mean we're starting to get some back today but really on a national level there really hasn't been a return to normalcy and when the NBA does return I suspect it's going to be one of the first leagues to return and uh, if that's the case these ratings are going to be off the charts and that should help recover some of the money lost uh, in terms of uh, the salary cap hit that the league is going to take because there's going to be a hit even if they come back there's going to be a hit to the salary cap but returning as soon as they possibly can getting a rundown to the NBA season finishing off the playoffs and crowning a champion will help uh, recover some of that TV money and get the NBA back to a healthier place economically I, I just wanted to discuss it briefly because it is important uh, the Rockets are getting back to practicing on Monday and as we record, there is this growing optimism that the league's getting back to normal. But today, we're not talking about the league in 2020. We're talking about the league in 2017. We are doing our Rockets Rewind Series, discussing a game from October 17th of 2017, Rockets at Warriors, the first real game with Chris Paul. And it's it's our first taste at a Rockets-Warriors series that feels a little bit evenly balanced. And... This game was exciting. I got to admit, like the, the last couple games we covered in this series, uh, I, I, I'll admit I've been a little disinterested. They haven't been that exciting to me. They've objectively been good because they were high up on the list. But these last five games are really exciting, including this one. So do you want to lay the stakes here? Well, as I remember, you know, opening night uh, in Oakland um, and the Warriors, it was ring in the banner ceremony night. And um, it took four ever like i know these things tend to drag on a little bit but appeared this particular ring ceremony lasted longer than ones that i can recall maybe it was because i was just in the building um but the game did not the game i don't think the game ended up tipping off until after 10 p.m central time or thereabouts give or take a couple of minutes so there was a very long delay in the start of that game the atmosphere there as it typically always was 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 crazy. I mean, the, you know, you, you, you had there was a lot of bad blood um, between the two teams. Opening night, everybody excited about getting the new season underway. Our first, as you mentioned, first real look-see at Chris Paul in a Rockets uniform under what was a cloud of um, a lot of suspicion that it was not going uh, to work. So there, there, there was a lot going on. Uh, that night, and and I remember again. I'm always very excited to to start the season. Always excited to play the Warriors, especially on the road uh, out there. Um, and um, it was it was uh, you know sort of a, a typical Rockets Warriors game where there were some you know big swings, primarily in favor of Golden State for most of the game. The Rockets were down by double digits multiple times in the game, down by uh, what 13, 14 points it was starting the fourth quarter. Um, uh, started off that that final quarter on on a big run, which fueled uh, the rest of the game. Um, and ultimately, uh, Kevin Durant's shot that went in um, did not count because it was still on his fingertips 
when the red light went off on on the backboard and the Rockets walked out of there with a what one point win. Yeah, and it was one of those things where the NBA schedulers nailed it. Like, this is a total credit to the NBA. What uh, was the, the game before that? It was a great game, too, was it not? Yeah, it was. It, it definitely included the Celtics. I know that. I, I don't know okay. what the, the other team was, but I know it was. It might have been Celtics Cavs, actually. That might have been. It might have been a conference finals prediction on both sides. Yeah, that, I don't remember. I don't remember what came before. Yeah. But, All I remember is it took forever for that game to tip off. Forever. Yeah, I remember that too. It was at least half an hour after it was scheduled to play. Um, so let, let's set the stakes. I'm glad you touched on the bad blood between these two teams because uh, I want to rewind a little bit. So the Warriors win the 2017 NBA Finals, their first finals with Kevin Durant. Uh, people are talking about how the NBA will be in a state of predictability for as long as this team stays together. And on cue, Zach Lowe releases this column that he's clearly been working on for a few weeks. It's titled... How the how the Warriors took back the crown and how the NBA rivals can compete. So there's quotes in this from executives like Bob Myers, Danny Ainge, and notably Rockets general manager Daryl Morey. So here's what he said: They are not unbeatable. Morey said of Golden State, "They have there have been bigger upsets in in sports history. We are going to keep improving the roster. We are used to long odds. If the Golden State makes the odds longer's." We might have to up our risk profile and get even more aggressive. We have something up our sleeve. So this quote receives a ton of traction on Twitter and social media. Nobody knows what the hell he's talking about. Uh, what was your initial reaction to, upon reading that quote? Well, what made Golden State so great um, was the fact that when they went small, when went, when they went to their death lineup, if you will, um, nobody can compete with them. And so Daryl's whole thought process, um, starting after, um, so where I was, we're 17, go back to 2015 or what have you is golden States. This they're they're the cream of the crop. They're the best team in the league. Uh, how do we compete with the best team in basketball? And that's how, why, and how and the, the roster was built was to how can we compete uh, with their small ball lineup? Um, how can we uh, challenge that? That's where all the switching for the Rockets defensively came in because they felt that that was the best way to combat um, that lineup. Um, you know, the, the, the addition of Chris Paul, I mean, J- James Harden needed, you know, he, he needed a, a, another high-level player alongside to, take, to help take some of that pressure off, especially when you had four All-Stars you were going up against on the other side with Durant and Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green. And so everything the Rockets are doing, do, during, uh, doing during that era was how do we match up with Golden State? How do we match up with Golden State? They ultimately got very close, as, as history would, would, uh, would tell us. Uh, didn't get over the hump, unfortunately, because of a Chris Paul hamstring injury. Um, but they were on the right track um, and uh, in terms of trying to compete. Um, with those guys, and um, I, I think that that's kind of part what part of what uh, you know uh, Daryl was was alluding to that they were sort of changing their philosophy and they were going to go small and switchable and and versatile uh, because that was the only way you could pe- could, could uh, compete with the Golden State because anybody who played traditionally against them got blown out. I mean, you couldn't there was you, you just got crushed. And so um, that's what the Rockets tried to do. And again, they got close, but, you know, never, never could get over the hump. So it becomes pretty clear that, as you mentioned, this quote is really referring to the Chris Paul trade, right? And 
did, did, first of all, did you expect that to happen so no. quickly? And do you remember the where Paul you were? Tra- no, did I expect it? I didn't expect it at all. Not at all. I, I remember when I first got wind of it, I was like, I almost fell out of my chair. Um, no, I, uh, I did not, I did not see that come coming. Not at all. Um, totally took me by surprise, completely by surprise. Um, I was floored. I mean, completely floored, uh, by, by that news. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, future hall of famer, um, arguably the best point guard of our generation. Um, a guy who is hungry to win, uh, Chris Paul has had his fair shares of, of playoffs, playoff frustrations. Um, and again, you rolled the dice on getting another backcourt switchable, versatile player to match up uh, with Golden State. Uh, did not did not see that coming at all. Did you think it would work? Um, I, I had my doubts, um, but. I did get a chance to to watch some of some early practices in training camp. And I think after one week, uh, the coaching staff, everybody with the Rockets knew it absolutely was going to work after one week of practices. Uh, I know there was, again, there was all kinds of speculation up until the Rockets, what were they, 20, was it 24 and 5 or they started out? That, it was, that was the year they started 24 and 5, right? Yeah, they something. were like at least eighteen and six, and that was okay. without Chris Paul. And and there were still all kinds of speculation and people still doubting that it would have worked. I assure you, from my experiences, the coaches and players knew after one week of training camp, it absolutely, positively was going to work. They had no concerns or worries about it at all. They knew it was going to work. Um, you know, I mean, you know, at that time, Ryan Anderson was the floor spacing four. He was the starter on opening night. P.J. Tucker didn't become a starter until uh, later on uh, in in that season. Um, And they knew it was going to work. They knew they had a roster that could compete uh, with Golden State and ultimately compete um, for a championship, legitimately compete uh, for a championship after one week of practices. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, all caps, to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottles this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. That's drinkafavor.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, so I had my skepticism initially. And then when I started to hear Mike D'Antoni and Daryl talk about how they would use Chris Paul and how they would stagger Paul and James, 
I started to feel a little bit more confident. And then they acquired P.J. Tucker. They acquired Luke and Bamute, these switchable pieces that really helps them against a team like Golden State mm-hmm. uh, defensively, as you mentioned. And they th- then I was like, okay, this will work. And I had them winning, I think, before the season. I had them at 58 games, 58 wins. And I think that was, I think I was probably higher than the national projection. I think nationally, the people had the Rockets probably winning like 56, 54 games around there. So and, was it that high? Yeah, it, it it was. People thought the Rockets were going to be good, but they did not think they would be sixty five games good, much less fifty eight games good. Well, I mean, sixty five that was the best regular season ever. I don't think anybody saw, uh, uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And then once the Rockets started winning, um, then it was like, well, you know, and, and you know, you talked about the staggering of minutes, and, and that, that then that became a talking point, like. You know, the Rocket, you know, they still really haven't had to figure things out because they were blowing everybody out. And then our first dose of Chris and James together in a tight game came Portland. in Portland. Right. And, you know, the Rockets were down big. 14 points, I believe, was the deficit at the end of three. And now Trevor Ariza was terrific in fourth quarter. But those two guys were awesome down this stretch, and the Rockets rallied and won the game. And that was the first time that that, they, that, that this particular group had been challenged like that before. And they came through in, in, in flying, uh, you know, with, with flying colors. And so um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun, fun year that, that ended in incredible frustration uh, and disappointment, um, you know, with, with, with the Game 7 and the, all the, missed, the 27 missed threes and Chris Paul's hamstring injury. I still feel like even when when Chris Paul went down, they should have won that series. They were up by double figures uh, in Game Six and Game Seven on their home floor. The fluky nature of missing twenty seven consecutive threes. Those are shots they will take every game without hesitating. And the I think I recently saw somebody post like the odds of getting struck by lightning are greater than missing like 27 consecutive threes or, Oh, it, it was something, it was something crazy like that. that. That'll never happen again. It was a once in a two lifetime, you know, um, situation. And unfortunately happened. They didn't win the series. Gold state went on to win uh, another championship. And, and that will go down as one of the great what ifs uh, in franchise history. But that, that was a, that was a really fun uh, season, uh, one that the Rockets and, and Daryl and everybody had been building towards uh, for a very long time, and, and they were right there. And, and I, I firmly believe that if they if they would have won the Western Conference Finals and, and knocked off Golden State, that they would have that they would have gone on to beat um, Cleveland because the Rockets had LeBron's number both in his first stint in Cleveland. And his second stint in Cleveland, uh, it was the other way around. Was LeBron when, when when LeBron was with Miami, they dominated the Rockets. But in his stints with the Cavs, uh, the Rockets had their number, and I firmly believe the Rockets would have gone on to to win uh, their third title in franchise history. But again, it didn't happen. You got to tip your cap uh, to Gold State. They made the plays. The Rockets didn't. They went on to win another another championship and sort of solidifying, um, you know, their their dynasty, if you will. And uh, again, a lot of questions still. Uh, remain about the Rockets trying to get back to that point, getting over the hump, and, and finally winning a title. Oh yeah, there was no question about whether the, whether or not the Rockets would beat that Cavs team. And people who raise that as a, as a p- possible question are they're just lying to themselves because that Cavs team was frankly embarrassed. They barely won fifty games. Like they literally won fifty games. It was one of LeBron's uh, 
worst prime seasons in terms of uh, the t- the level of team he was on. The the Cavs had to completely re- remake that roster. It was a mess all season. Uh, they they had to make a bunch of trade uh, trade deadline deals. I, there, I, I don't think anyone had any doubt whether or not, at least in the moment, I don't think anyone had any doubt in the moment that the Rockets would have won that game in less than six games, like six games at most. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. But, uh, you know, Chris got hurt. Um, and, you know, the rest, as they say, is unfortunate history. Right. So I want to I want to keep building up to this game because the, the quotes from this summer are insane. And I, I've only written down like four of them. So, this is Daryl. They are one of the best teams ever. Maury told the Houston Chronicle on defending the NBA champions. We obviously felt we needed to close the gap. We felt we've closed that gap. They're the ones with two rings in the last three years. You have to say they're going to be the favorites going in. You feel like this group can, can compete with that one. And then you you get quotes from James Harden and Mike D'Antoni talking about their confidence to the Warriors. And the Warriors are hearing all this. So, obviously, Draymond reads everything that's written about him. <laughs> And it gets leaked to the media that Draymond had taken these Daryl Morey quotes and sent it to the Warriors group chat. The Warriors are asked about this every single day in training camp. They're asked about the Rockets. They're asked about the team they've constructed. They, they're asked about how they think they can compete with the Rockets. And obviously, they're fuming. They, they, they don't think the Rockets are in the same class as them. They think it's an insult that anyone even asked them that. And that's kind of the build-up to this game. The Rockets have clearly made it their organizational goal to take down the Warriors. And the Warriors are hearing all this. So they're amped up for this game, and so are the Rockets, because this is their first time to prove something. This is their first real test. But you got everybody else in the league at that point. So many teams were just backing down. They, they sort of just felt that there was a, a level of uh, inevitability um, about Golden State. Now, it ended up being that way. But you got, I think you got to give a lot Rockets a lot of credit. They didn't back down. They said, you know what? We're not going to run from them. We're going to run to them. Um, and so I, I think you have to, you know, I mean, if you're going to compete and try to compete at the highest level, uh, which the Rockets were trying to do, um, you know, credit, all, all the credit to them. They didn't back down. They didn't shy away. Um, you know, um, they wanted to take the fight uh, to go, to Golden State. Um, and, you know, again, there was obviously some, some previous history, uh, playoff history between the two teams and so on and so forth. So that, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that rivalries are made of. Um, you know, I kind of, I know some, I don't, I'm not a real big bulletin board material, uh, kind of guy, but if at that point, if that's what golden state needs to, to motivate themselves and so be it. Yeah. But the thing was that after the game, they pretended like this wasn't a big deal to them. And it clearly was like, they clearly took this seriously and it got leaked to the media that they obviously were, like insulted, but personally insulted by this idea that the Rockets could compete with them. And the, this, I mean, this game was just, it made it that much more fun knowing that these two teams cared so much for a regular season game. Like, I think it's pretty clear the NBA has set up their schedule to where they have three signature dates. They have opening night, they have MLK day, and they have Christmas day. Mm-hmm. And, and this was one of those opening nights where like it, it, it completely fit the bill. Like it, 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 it satisfied in the best possible way. Uh, I also will admit um, most of our games out there in recent years have fit that bill. Um, the one game uh, where James hit the went crazy, hit the ridiculous game winner over a double team. I mean, th- a lot. There have been a lot of bananas uh, games out there. I mean, again, terrific atmosphere um, in Oakland. We didn't get a real taste of what it might be like 
you know, this year in their new building in San Francisco because, you know, they were decimated by injuries at the worst record in the league. And so I, I don't know if the atmosphere is ever going to be duplicated in the new building as it was uh, in, in the old building. Um, and it was starting to fade out a little bit. You started to see some of those diehard fans get priced out in that old arena. Yes, yes. It had come down a little bit. But it, as you mentioned, it was opening night. And so there was a lot of buildup and, and anticipation. And again, it, ring, ring, ring night, everybody, you know, they got their rings, they celebrated that you know another championship um so um but a lot of our games out there frankly the atmosphere has been has 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 been pretty pretty incredible lots and lots of media coverage uh which which kind of shines a, a spotlight a spotlight on on that matchup both positively uh and, and and negatively and um and the game again as you mentioned the game the game lived up uh, to the hype, Nick Young was awesome. Might have had the best, most efficient game of his whole uh, career uh, that night, which is something nobody uh, predicted. The Rockets bench also was amazing. I mean, PJ Tucker had a great game, as did Luke and and Eric. It had a little bit of everything. And again, it had the Rockets down by double figures multiple times, which is sort of par for the course. It is what it is. Uh, and then the Rockets with a with a, with a big comeback and. Um, and uh, and ultimately squeaking squeaking out the the, the win. There have been a lot of really really fun uh, games between the Rockets and the Warriors uh, out in Oakland. And, and again, I kind of hope that kind of gets uh, duplicated uh, moving forward in, in the years to come with with Golden State's uh, new group. Yeah, we need that rivalry back. It was a very very fun rivalry. It'd be different, obviously, because a lot of the players have swapped out. Durant is no longer with the Warriors. Iguodala's gone. And... Right, Iguodala's gone. Chris Paul's no longer with the Rockets. Russell Westbrook adds a new dynamic to the series, which might which might make it even more interesting. Frankly, yeah, this game was insane. So James Harden, by the way, came into this game looking chiseled. Like you could see it through the TV. He 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 really took. His training seriously that summer. He he had 27 points, 11 assists, six rebounds, uh, 10 of 23 from the field, four of nine th- shooting from three point range. He was insane in this game. Yeah, he was uh, he was terrific, and, and again getting all kinds of attention. Chris Paul had, did not have a very efficient shooting game, two for nine, but he had in his Rockets debut he had eight rebounds. Uh, he had what ten assists. Um, uh, in the game, so his debut was 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 fine. And again, the bench was incredible. Uh, PJ Luke and Eric combined for 58 points. Uh, and then there was the, again the the flute that was Nick Young, shooting eight of nine from the floor and six of seven from three. Again, I think that was probably the best game of his entire uh, career. Um, um, but and, and just all kinds of amazing shot making, which is something you expect. Um, when and expected when those two teams met because you got to, I mean, obviously Steph and, and Clay and Kevin Durant are, are, are three of the greatest shooters ever. Uh, and James Harden has had his fair share of amazing shots that he's knocked down against the Golden State Warriors in his career. And there, there was amazing uh, shot making uh, back and forth threes flying all over the building. Um, yeah. Again, that, that, that is what, what NBA basketball is at its finest. And, uh, and and I'm 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 happy on that night that the the Rockets uh, you know walked out of there with a win and and mind you after a very late start to the game they had to roll we had a game the next night in Sacramento which they eked out but it was that would have felt awful to beat Golden State in that fashion and turn around and lose to the Kings but luckily they won they won that game as well right and it, that that final play was insane too the the missed shot by Durant by the way 
the, this stuck out to me just rewatching the game. I, I just remember how good Eric Gordon was. This might have been Eric Gordon's best season as a Rocket. Like he was, his drives to the rim just looked different that season. Explosive, like, right? He, he had a dunk in that first quarter that was like nothing I've seen Eric Gordon do in his tenure in Houston. It, it looked like a a Clippers, a throwback Clippers Eric Gordon uh, before all the injuries that ravaged his career. Like it, that was probably the best I've seen Eric Gordon work. And this was our first real look at PJ Tucker at center. We saw that in the final minutes of the game. Um, it was interesting. The Rockets actually play Ryan Anderson at power forward and PJ Tucker at center. And he played the final minutes. Clint Capella did not play. We got to see our first look at a counter to the, to the Warriors death lineup. And it was really, really effective. PJ Tucker offensive rebounding wise uh, against the Warriors. He's always really good, but in this game, you really got to see it up close in person. That was probably one of his three best individual games of his career. Yeah, twenty uh, PJ points. Tucker. Yeah, uh, um, just everything that he was doing. Like, I, you know, Clint only played what he played about eighteen minutes in the game. He was terrific in those eighteen minutes, but he only played eighteen minutes. It was always a very tough matchup for Clint Capella again to compete with Golden State. I mentioned this earlier. Anybody who attempted to play conventionally against them, they just ate you alive. Um, and so, um, and and Clint has had his fair share of, of of disappointing games against Golden State. But in the minutes that he was giving given on opening night back in October of 2017 in Oakland, he had a great game. Um, but yeah, again, when when the, the to, to to ultimately seal the deal, you had to downsize because that's that's the way that you had to play against those guys. That was the only way. That was the only way you could beat them was was to downsize. Well, were you surprised that they they showed their hand so early, like in that in the matchup? Like they showed it in the first night of the regular season against the Warriors, PJ uh, Tucker at center. No, I don't. There are no secrets. Uh, no secrets anymore. Um, I mean, if, if your goal is to try to win that night, I mean, why why would you hold off a particular strategy uh, until? January or December or the playoffs. I mean, um, every game matters. And you have to remember, uh, also, the Rockets went into that season with a pretty singular focus on how important it was for them to have the best record of the Western Conference. You know, we've talked about all the various other things, how this is what they, you know, they felt that needed to compete with Golden State. They were the team they were shooting for, rightfully so. But they also felt like if, if another component to that was to have the best record in the West. And so... Uh, and that's something that they stressed from day one of training camp, that they had to get off to a great start to the season, that they had to have a better record than them, that they had to have that game seven uh, on their home floor if they met in the playoff series, which they did and uh, didn't take advantage of it. But but th- that was it. That was another big theme of the start of that season was we have to start off well. And, and that's. I think that was the case also this season and previous seasons under Mike D'Antoni. But that was a that was they were really truly focused on having the best record of the Western Conference and getting off to a great start. And so if if, if that's if that's the 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 mo that you're that you're working with when the season starts, I, there's no reason to to not bust out what you think will work against them and save it uh, for another time. And again, at, at this juncture, everybody knows everything about everyone. Uh, and and there are no secrets. So uh, if that's if that's what they felt was was best to to, to do and win, um, they were going to do it whether it be opening night or Christmas or a playoff series or what have you. Right. And 
I, I up until this point, I had not been in the in the Rockets locker room uh, in this season, and but everything I've heard secondhand was that this was the most focused the Rockets have ever looked yes. un, under James. Like just from yes. start, start start of the season till the end of the season, like they had such a singular focus on beating mm-hmm. the Warriors, and it developed this crazy work ethic culture uh, throughout the organization that really embodied. Uh, around James Harden and Chris Paul, like they really carried that mantle really well for the organization. Yeah, that that there that's pretty accurate. Uh, there was a singular focus on, you know, doing whatever it took uh, to compete with those guys. Um, and you know, a veteran team, uh, a lot of hungry veteran players who had not really had. I mean, James Harden had been to an NBA Finals before but it never won a chip. I mean, I already mentioned Chris Paul, his well-publicized ongoing uh, playoff um, struggles. And he actually finally, that was the first time in his entire career that he'd actually made it to a Western Conference final. Uh, so you had a lot of hungry veteran players. Trevor Reza had previously won a championship with, with the Lakers, um, but you had a lot of hungry veteran players um, that were at the stage of their careers were you know, contracts and money and all that stuff. It is, you know, they've, they had already established themselves in the league that none of that mattered to them. And, and they knew how, and they knew how difficult of a task it was to compete with golden state. I mean, I think you mentioned the quote from Daryl, one of the best teams of all time. I think the Kevin Durant warriors were the greatest collection of talent ever assembled in NBA history. Um, I, I think those teams would, I think those teams would compete with the Bulls of the '90s, with the early 2000s Lakers, with with Shaq and and Kobe, and and the '80s teams of of Boston and Los and, and Los Angeles. I think I think that was the the, the greatest collection of high end talent that the league has has ever seen, and and I think that their their style of play and 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 everything um, was. I, I think I think I think they. Am I again? I think they were the best team. Uh, uh, collection of, of players uh, ever, and so I've I've always had great respect uh, for that group, and I and I think that was sort of the the feeling of of the players and the coaches that they had immense immense respect for what they were up against and what it was what it would ultimately take for them to try to get there. And I think that when they all looked at each other and knew and saw the talent that they had in their locker room and and all the experience that they felt like, all right, this is our chance. And that was again a focus from day one. Of, of training camp that year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this Warriors team has a very, very strong case to be the greatest team in NBA history, right up there with the Bird and Mikhail Celtics, right up there with, with the uh, Jordan and Pippen Bulls, uh, right up there with any team in NBA, Shaq and Kobe, uh, Lakers, any team you can think of in NBA history. This is uh, th- this team definitely stacks up with the best of them and probably has a good case to be the best out of all of them. Yeah, and and th- th- that focus, as I talked about, like it really led to these in-season competitions being really spectacular. Like it was, you did. I didn't expect it to be as competitive in-season as it ended up being. The level of intensity both teams took into every contest, the level of personal that these teams had just, <laughs> just going into yeah. it. Like, like they, they, they definitely did not like each other, and they definitely – there was a level of respect between both teams, as you said, but they definitely did not have uh, love loss for each other. And it, it, no. it, it made everything more fun to watch. Yes, it did. Absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, anytime uh, – Draymond Green's a little bit of a powder cake. So uh, anytime that uh, he's involved um, in a game, um, especially with – 
with the Rockets, um, it, it adds a, a layer of um, anger, shall right. we say. Right. There, there, there's always a bit of animus with him. It, it, it's, it, it makes it entertaining. Like, listen, Draymond's not one of my favorite players. I've been pretty public about that. But he he does make things interesting. Like the, the NBA is better with Draymond Green. I'd have, I'd welcome him. I'm not a big fan of his just because of his annex and everything because we've been on the other side. But um, if he if he wanted to play for the Rockets, I'd be the first person at the airport to greet him. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> He would definitely add a lot to a lot of very good teams in the NBA. Um, yeah, this was definitely, to me, one of the greatest Rockets games of the decade. I had this game fifth on my list for the decade. Upon rewatch of the highlights, it definitely stacks up with uh, the best of them. Uh, what it, is that list? What are your top five? At number one, I have Rockets-Warriors from 2018 2019. This is the one where Harden hits that buzzer beater okay. over the double team. Uh, okay. Number two, I have... Rockets Cavs March 1st 2015 this is this is LeBron versus Harden um this is like the first real LeBron versus Harden um, did you remember that game was that where uh he ended up uh inadvertently kicking LeBron yes yes okay. that, that was the game yeah, yeah. that that yeah. was an insane that was the king that was the key that was the King James thing right right the, the, that, okay. that okay. was the yeah, great yeah. social media like this is where LeBron <laughs> took that picture next to the mirror and like people were making memes out of it, it was an awesome environment. And yes, it, it was. Yeah, the game was great. But yeah, uh, that's number two. Number three, I have Rockets at Clippers. I actually want to have you back on for this game. Rockets at Clippers, game six. Oh, the famous Josh Smith game. Would you want to come back for that one? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I of uh, the last decade, I probably, I would probably personally put that up number one. Yeah, I, um, I I had you I had you marked down in in pencil for that game because I your call for that game was crazy. It was it was probably my favorite Craig Ackerman call of the last. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. It was very good, and I actually found a video of uh, your call overlaid with the live game. So you were doing radio that season, and your call got well. Over- there's no TV anyway that deep in the playoffs, so uh, yeah, right. I was doing yeah. Our mutual friend uh, Dave Hardestine yep. overlaid the audio onto the video and created a video out of it. And it, it it worked out pretty well. And number four on that list is Game Five Rockets Warriors Western Conference Finals. This is the, probably the most bittersweet victory in Rockets history. This is the game where Chris Paul ultimately tears his hamstring, but the Rockets end up with the victory. Hmm. Yeah, all I, I I'll admit I don't remember anything in that game other than Chris. Uh, going down with the Clippers game for me certainly um, uh, would would be up there uh, for me. I, I would, the Rockets had a 22 point comeback in Portland um, off the top of my head that I would probably include. That's number seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, on, on the list, um, uh, they've had multiple really uh, the they've had multiple just nutso games in Toronto and Boston. Um, um, yeah, there's been some really fun Laker, you know, games in LA, uh, that they've been in, involved with, but, uh, yeah, I don't have, I don't, I don't think I have any issues with any of those games being on that short list for sure. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, three out of the top five are games against the Warriors, which really encapsul- <laughs> encapsulates the decade for me. Like it's Rockets Warriors all the way through. Like that's to, that to me is the rivalry of the decade for the Rockets. It, 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 they just created so many entertaining matchups, and I, I am not at all surprised when I ended up creating this list that they cracked, they cracked so many top ten games. Uh, no, not at all. I, I, for me personally, I mean, 
the, 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 the most fun games of the decade were, were Houston, Golden State, Houston, Portland, Houston, uh, Toronto, Houston, um, Boston. Those are the ones that, for me, that have really sort of always um, stuck out. They, you know, they, they, they had a pretty darn good thing going in terms of a rivalry with Oklahoma City as well, which has, again, made the whole now Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, you know, switching places dynamic. Uh, very intriguing, but no, there have been lots of really fun Rockets wins against the Warriors, and let's be honest, soul-crushing losses. So yeah, I'll have you back on for that Clippers game because it, cer- it certainly seems like you have a lot to say about it. Uh, that was the first it, the first time since the '90s that it felt like Clutch City. Um, you know, playoff game, big atmosphere, season on the line, uh, everything going wrong. Um, and then the Corey Brewer and Josh Smith uh, fourth quarter. And what also sticks out to me, I guess we'll find more details about that, is that everyone on the Clippers, as that was happening, wanted no part of being on the floor except for Chris Paul. Yeah, and the body he, language was bad. Yes, it was awful, with the exception of Chris Paul. Nobody wanted anything to do with they, – they everyone on the Clippers wanted to run away and hide under a rock except for Chris Paul. Um, great comeback. Um you know, obviously they followed it up with with two more wins after that to to win that series. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was the first time since the the mid '90s that it, it it again playoff series. It felt like Clutch City all over again. That Clippers team might be the best Clippers team of of that Clutch City era, of that Lob City era. I'm sorry. Yes, they they, they were loaded. Yeah, loaded. Like that team to me had a had a really good case to win the title, if not for this upset. And that's what it was so horribly devastating for them yeah. to get knocked out like that. Right, at the pinnacle of their powers. But yeah, right. uh, we, will, we will get into that game when we get to it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hey, man, anytime. I appreciate it. Uh, again, stay positive. Um, we've, we're starting to receive a trickle of, of, of very good news. Let's hope it, it keeps streaming out and uh, the Rockets in the league will, will be back um, soon. So fingers crossed. Stay safe, my friend. Uh, you too. Thank you. All right, that was Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sportsnet. Really hope to hear him soon on Rockets broadcast again. But yeah, that was part six of our Rockets Rewind series. We got four more episodes to go. Again, we are not going to stop podcasting despite the shortage of actual basketball. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And yeah, guys, good night.